enjoy life. Being a Christian is not a bunch of zeros. Now, often we think, well, as a Christian, I can't do this, zero. I can't do this, zero. I can't do that, zero. Add it up and you got a bunch of zeros. I don't feel that way about the Christian life. I think the Christian life is the best life you can have. And I'm going to talk today about living that life to its fullest. People, people want to have the time of their lives in the time they have left. The question is how? How do you grab all the gusto, as one ad would say? How can you really live? How can you enjoy a full life? How can you have the life? From a book titled, Things That It Took Me 50 Years to Learn. Let me give you five of his wisdoms. Number one, never under any circumstance take a sleeping pill and a laxative on the same night. Number two, if you had to identify in one word the reason why the human race has not achieved and never will achieve its full potential, that word would be meetings. I've been a part of some of those meetings, haven't you? That just kind of goes on and on and on and on. Number three, there is a very fine line between a hobby and mental illness. Hey, I've, you know, I've got some friends that their hobbies kind of pushes the line real close. Number five, never lick a steak knife. Okay, now, that's pretty good advice from that writer, but I think we can do better. John, here in 1 John, tells us how to live life to its real fullest. Let's ask the question. Do you want to have the life? If you want to have the real life, then you must have the Son. If you want to have the Son, then you must first believe. Believe. One of the ladies that I baptized, she asked, I was talking to her there at her home. She asked, can I become a Christian? I asked, do you believe? Do you really believe in Jesus? Do you believe that Jesus is the Son of God? She said, yes, I believe. I said, boy, you sure can. Definitely, you can become a Christian. It takes belief, takes faith. First believe in what? Jesus as God himself in the flesh. 1 John 5, verse 5. Who is he who overcomes the world? Do you want to overcome the world? Do you want to be victorious over the world and over all the world's problems? Who is he? But he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Look at that phrase, Son of God. In biblical times, they didn't have last names like we have last names. You know, we have last names like Shelton and, and Deshaun and, you know, and, and, and Griffith. Well, you know, they didn't have that. But often, people would describe a person by something 
unique about him. You know, Barnabas was called the son of encouragement. It was unique that it seemed like he was always encouraging people. He was, uh, he was an encourager. Well, it says that Jesus was a son of God. That's a, the connection there. The connection. Son of God. When you see Jesus, what do you think of? You think of God. Because he's the son of God. Do we believe in Jesus as a son of God? In the same way, Jesus is called the son of God because he is in his very nature, God himself. He is God in the flesh. God came down to be with us in the form of Jesus, the Christ. While Jesus took on the form of a human, he set aside his rights as God. In other words, all of his time on earth, he was always God-like. When he was tired in Samaria, he was all-powerful. When he was asking questions in the temple, he was all-knowing. And when he was present in a particular, particular place, he was what? Everywhere. Omnipresent. That's Jesus. It's simply that he made a choice not to take hold of what was always and always will be his, namely his God-like properties. He gave it up to live here and die for you and for me. It would be like, let's say, um, let's say you were going to the hospital to visit somebody. And that day, the hospital parking lot was just jam-packed. And the only place you could find to park was way out in the North 40. I mean, you are a good distance from the hospital. You park, and then you realize, how do I get from here to where I need to be? And you see a guy coming by in a car, and you kind of flag him down, and you ask. And the guy says, well, I'll tell you what, I'll just park next to you. And I'll walk you in and I'll show you where to go. And as you're walking in with this new guy that you just met, you see him start putting on a jacket. And on the jacket, there's a name tag and you can read the name tag and it says doctor. And you say, sir, are you a, are you a doctor here? Well, yes, I am. In fact, I'm the chief of staff. I'm the, I'm the chief of staff of this hospital. Well, you know, I thought the chief of staff, you know, they would give you an up-close uh, parking space. Oh, yeah, they do. See that parking space right there next to the hospital? That's my space over there. Well, you parked over there with me, didn't you? Yeah, I parked over there with you to help you. That doctor, did he give up his rights as a doctor? Did he give up his privileges as a doctor? Yeah. Why? To help you get to where you need to be. That's exactly what God did in sending His Son to our earth. That's what happened when God became a man. He did not cease to be God. He simply chose to lay aside His privileges as God so He could walk with you in your need to get you to where you need to be. Please believe 
Please believe if you want to have the real life. First, believe in Jesus as God Himself in the flesh. Second, believe in Jesus as your Lord and King. Trust Him to be the leader of your life. What were the Jewish people looking for? They were looking for a Messiah, for a king. Now, in their minds, they wanted a David. They wanted a soldier that would come in and kick out the Romans and establish the king, the kingdom there in Jerusalem and to be their leader. Well, Jesus came to be Messiah. He came to be the king. He came to be the leader, but his kingdom is spiritual. It's not physical. Believe in Jesus as the answer to your problems in your life. A family was staying at a hotel in Nigeria. Uh, this hotel had a, a big living area, then it had two uh, separate bedrooms. That morning came a knock on the door. There was a guy standing on the other side of the door. He said, I've, I've, I've come to, uh, to uh, clean your room. The family were embarrassed, you know. They, they didn't realize that this was going to happen. They had, they were, there was a hair dryer over here, curlers here. There was clothes scattered. I mean, the, the hotel room was a mess. The guy said, well, tell you what, you come back, we'll straighten up, and then you can come back and clean. The guy said, oh, no, I'm coming here to put everything in order for you. You see, Jesus, that's why Jesus came, to put your life in order. Don't try to clean up the mess on your own because you can't do it. Let Him do it for you. Acknowledge Jesus as your Lord. Let Him put your life in order. It's the only way to have the real life. Believe in Jesus as God. Number two, believe in Jesus as your Lord. And then third, believe in Jesus as your Savior. Trust Him to deliver you from evil. There's a lot of bad stuff out there in our world today. I mean a lot of bad stuff. Trust Jesus to deliver you from evil. Put your faith, put your confidence in Him. Denise Peraza was a survivor of the 2015 San Bernardino shootings. She recalled that day. That day they were in the dining area. It was 1055. And then the shooter came in and she saw the shooter on the other side of the dining area. Shannon Johnson threw her down on the floor of that dining room. And then, what did he do? He laid on top of her, basically cuddling her, protecting her from the bullets that were now being fired in that large dining room. And all during that time, he kept on saying, I've got you. Don't worry, I've got you. He put his body at harm to protect her from those bullets that were being fired. That's what Jesus, your God, your King, and your Savior says to you. I've got you. I've got you. I've got you. 
as He wraps His arms around you to shield you from the bullets of your own sin. He Himself bore our sins in His body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By His wounds you have been healed. 1 Peter 2, 24. But don't believe in Jesus just because I tell you to, no. Believe the testimony. The testimony of three very important witnesses. The water, the blood, the spirit. Verse 6. This is He who came by water in blood, Jesus Christ. Not only by water, but by water in blood. And it is the Spirit who bears witness because the Spirit, the Spirit is truth. For there are three that bear witnesses in heaven. The Father, the Word, that would be the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And these three are one. And these three that bear witnesses on earth. The Spirit, the water, and the blood, and these three agree as one. Testimony, testimony, testimony. If we receive the witness of men, the witness of God, the witness of God is greater. For this is the witness of God, which He has testified of His Son. He who believes in the Son of God has the witness in himself. He who does not believe God has made him a liar because he has not believed the testimony that God has given of his Son. Do we have testimony? Do we have witness? Do we have proof? Yes, yes, and yes, we do. Christianity is not a blind faith. On the contrary, there is very good evidence that Jesus is indeed the Son of God. That is to say, He is God Himself in the flesh, your King and your Savior from sin. Lou Wallace was governor for many years of the state of New Mexico. He was best friends with Robert Ingersoll. Robert Ingersoll was probably one of the most famous atheists of our time. Robert talked to his friend Lou. He said, Lou, you are a gifted writer. You are a really gifted writer. Why don't you write a book disproving Christianity? You know, let's point out the the falsehoods of Christianity. Lou took on the challenge. He started doing the research. He flew to Europe. He flew to the Middle East. He went to libraries. He went to museums. He dug, he dug up every bit of evidence that he could. He talked to archaeologists. He talked to everybody. He was gathering his evidence to disprove Jesus. But in the course of disproving Jesus, because Lou was also atheist, just like his friend Robert, Lou con convicted his heart of Jesus. And he became a believer in Jesus. He did complete that book, but he changed the purpose of the book. The purpose of the book was to show how a man could go from a non-believer to a believer. By the way, you've seen the movie, 
to the book. You probably have. Let me show you one scene from the movie. Remember that movie? Ben-Hur? That's the book. That's the story. The story of a Roman soldier who goes from a non-believer to a believer. You see, there is plenty of evidence to prove our faith. We just have to believe. Please, you believe it too. On the basis of solid evidence, solid testimony, trust Jesus as your Savior, your King, and your, your God. And believe and what? Obey. So you can truly live. You see, belief is important. But if belief doesn't cause you to obey, it's just a, a bunch of words. It's just a good feeling. And that's all. Let belief lead you to obedience. Belief is hollow and empty without obedience. You've got to have obedience. You've got to believe. You've got to obey. That's what God expects. Verse 11 now. Let's look at verse number 11. And this is the testimony. Oh, John, you've got a lot backing you up. I sure do. This is the testimony that God has given us eternal life and this life is in His Son. You want to have life? It's in Jesus. He who has a Son of life, who has a Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. It's either you got it or you don't. There's no in-between. Verse 13. These things I have written to you Remember, John's writing to Christians. He's not writing to non-Christians. He's writing to people like you and me. These things are written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know. As I've said on multiple times during this series on 1 John, the word know here is not just head knowledge. It's head and heart knowledge. It's knowing it here and knowing it here that you may know that you have eternal life. Did you notice the tense of that? That you may know that you have it. You've got it. You've got the life that really counts and that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. Now this is the confidence that we have in Him. That if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. He's the God who hears you know, that's what Hagar called God in Genesis 16. The God who hears, El Roy. He's the God who hears. Are you ready to become a Christian? Do you believe? Will you repent? Will you confess? Will you be baptized? That's what it takes. It's not complicated. Oh, by the way, Every word there, if you read it, one of those red letter Bibles, that's red. That's Jesus talking to you and me. As a Christian, do you need to seek forgiveness? Isn't it wonderful that God will forgive? Because guess what, folks? I mess up a lot. And I go to God and I say, God, I messed up again. Will you forgive me? He forgives. Isn't that wonderful? 
The church here stands ready to pray for you and with you. We'll have two elders down here waiting for you. If you have a need, any need, will you please come forward as we stand and sing for your encouragement.